Welcome to the RSPNFL Scouting Glossary. I'm Matt Walden with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. This is a weekly series devoted to scouting tips and defining the criteria that I use for scouting NFL prospects for the pre-draft and post-draft RSP service that's been available since 2006. You can find it at mattwaldman.com. It's available every April 1st. So the technique we're going to look at this week is really a suboptimal technique. And as a way of describing that, we're also going to take our way through why the optimal techniques are important. And that's with catching the football. The suboptimal technique that we're going to define is clapping or gator catching the football. Those are the two terms that I use for it. Um, and they basically look the way they sound when you think of them in your mind's eye. And the reason that it's suboptimal has to do with when you look at a football. When you see that oblong, you know, shaped ball and you think about how it's thrown and how it arrives, the shape, the spin, the trajectory and velocity require a lot of little detailed tactics to successfully win the football in the environments that a receiver has to win the football. Otherwise, you're going to see that it can be really disastrous. You can watch if you don't catch the ball with optimal technique, you wind up in situations where the ball has a very hard and unpredictable recoil, which can lead to drops or it can lead to turnovers. So th that's the thing about football. The ball bounces funny. And the reason it bounces funny, obviously, is the shape. So when you think about the shape, spin, trajectory, and velocity of a thrown football, a receiver really has to attack it with methods that allow them an opportunity to achieve several objectives. They've got to meet the ball at the earliest point of arrival because usually they're going to have a defender on them. And they have to be able to attack the ball and then protect it from the defender. Or they're breaking across the field on a route where the sooner that they can attack it and secure it, the more efficient they can be with turning upfield to gain yardage. They have to slow the spin of the ball in a controlled manner that reduces the potential for that violent recoil. Take a, take a football one day and just drop it or throw it onto a flat surface, whether it's the ground or the side of your house, a brick wall. And I suggest you don't do it indoors if you're, you know, if you're a kid. Don't do it indoors. You don't, you don't want to break your, one of your mom's collectibles or anything like that. Um, throw it somewhere outside. And you're going to see how unpredictable and violent those bounces can be any single time you throw it. And that's what happens when you it strikes a flat surface. So, you know, you want to be able to really maximize your ability to catch the ball at the first attempt. And if you miss it, you want your hand position to create a, an easier second chance attempt to win the football. Because when it if you have good technique the ball bounces softer or recoils softer off of the, the, the right technique, the right catch technique. It becomes a slower and softer recoil. And that gives you a better second chance opportunity. And as we talked about, you secure the target quickly enough to reposition the ball away from tight coverage or secure the target quickly enough to maintain the path of the route and maximize yardage after the catch. So when a football travels at high speed and the spin isn't always tight, Combined with that oblong shape, the texture of the ball, which is, can often be slick, and all the different challenges that a receiver deals with that don't, doesn't even include the position of the defender 
or the intensity of the contact that may be imminent, the, you know, this is going to create a lot of challenges where you need to maximize and, you know, the, or refine the technique to a point where you're really in an, putting your hands in an optimal position. So what are those optimal hand positions to catch a football? Well, the first thing is it begins with the fingertips because the ball spin and shape as well as the speed of the of the ball arriving based on how fast the quarterback can deliver it, that violent recoil when it strikes that regular flat surface is very unpredictable. So when it's the same thing with your the palm of your hand. Your palm of your hand is like that flat surface. So it's better to use your fingertips because they're really marvels of human engineering. You know, when you can put six to eight of them and meet the uh, that oblong object arriving with great velocity and high RPMs, they have the precision with your brain to really apply subtle pressure and grip in tandem to stop the spin. And it, even if the precision of your fingertips working in tandem isn't perfect, it's still going to do a better job of reducing the spin to a manageable movement, a softer, slower recoil that's easier to track for a second attempt at the ball compared to a ball recoiling violently off the palms or your chest or your face mask or your helmet. The best way to position the hands so the fingertips can stop the spin and control the ball depends on the trajectory of the target's arrival. If the target's above the waistline, your hands should be extended outward to the earliest point to meet the ball within reason and with the thumbs and index fingers forming a triangle. So it, it you want the hands kind of cupped in a way where it looks like that your you know your your index fingers are together, your thumbs are together and you you're in a position where they're cupped just enough so that when the ball arrives it's almost like you're making a shape of the point of the ball and then extending outward to its width and your hands are almost mimicking that so that when the ball arrives and you're catching the ball by looking in the little cross of where the ball at the front of the tip of the ball there's that little intersection of where the seams are and it looks like a little x or a cross you want you know you look that in to where your fingertips are joined your thumbs are joined and your hands are already going to be mimicking that oblong shape of the ball so that they arrive basically as if your hands are like a sleeve and it just goes right into that sleeve and then you can grip with with your fingers and and your fingertip your index finger and your thumbs are in a way of being kind of a backstop to hold that ball in place so it doesn't go completely through your hands so that's the, that's the way for targets arriving above your um above your waist Below the waist, you want to have your hands in the opposite direction where your pinkies are together and your hands are cupped in a way where your thumbs are outward, but they're cupped just in a way so that when you receive the ball, you can, you can have your hands, your fingertips and close on the ball from that underhand position. So, you know, those are the two main techniques that allow you to slow the spin of the ball. And if it, and if you're not able to successfully compete, completely control it the the recoil is going to be slower less violent 
you're going to get a softer recoil where you get a better second chance. And you'll see this plenty of times with receivers who don't get a clean catch the first time that the ball just kind of floats out of their hand. Whereas with a receiver who claps onto the ball or misses it completely and it strikes a flat surface on their body or a rounded surface even, any surface other than your fingertips, it tends to have a much more violent recoil and goes a lot further away from them too. So, you know, a good way to look at what's the inoptimal, you know, the suboptimal technique of gator catching and clapping, and it's a common technique error, is to watch a young kid learn how to catch a ball. And you're going to see it's really common to see them attempt to clap their hands on each side of it. It's a logical idea. It's just inefficient because it requires a lot more timing and coordination to meet a moving object with both hands traveling from opposite directions than it does to have your hands in a fixed position and extend it outward to the earliest point as the ball arrives. And it also encourages that initial contact of the ball with the palms rather than the fingertips. And of course, there's no ability to subtly adjust to the movement of the contact and the recoil becomes violent. So if the hands miss completely, the ball's got that violent recoil off the surface. So the thing that you've got to remember though is you're going to see NFL receivers or college prospects have who've spent hundreds if not thousands of hours catching the football have moments where they clap onto the ball. And there are scenarios that just influence these lapses with tech catch technique. You know, one of them is mistracking the trajectory of the football and, if, and they're forced to readjust at the last moment. Say they come out of a, a quick breaking route and they've had to work hard to through their stem against tight um, coverage and they've made that quick turn and the ball's immediately on them. If the ball arrives higher than they expected or lower than they expected or further away from their body in one direction or the other than what they expected it to be, your brain can kind of be haywire because it's, it's expecting you to see the ball at a certain point and it isn't there and it's surprising and your brain short circuits and now you're thinking. And as a result, your reaction tends to regress back to that childhood kind of behavior, that initial behavior of what your brain thinks is logical um, as opposed to all that training and work that you've done to override that with the refined technique. Now, there's also, and part of that is the receiver being focused on a different task that disrupts their time and inflow. Um, another one is where maybe the target arrives at a spot where it's just above the waistline or just below the waistline and the, or maybe at the chest level, but they're leaping for the ball for some reason. Maybe they, again, they miss the trajectory of it, but somehow the ball's in kind of a gray area where you could probably use either technique. Um, and as a result, you wind up being indecisive because it's not as clear cut as above your head or below your waist. Um, so that's one thing, or they have to make an athletic adjustment over or around a defender in tight coverage. And they have to do it in such a way that they can't bring their hands together and then extend for the ball. And instead they have to get their hands up or around the defender, maybe leaping and then try and bring their hands together before the ball arrives. And as a result, they end up clapping onto the ball. So these are things that happen that are just lapses. It doesn't mean that they're serial. Um, they have serial issues with technique, you know, um, what you want to look for really with college players is 
when they're wide open and the ball arrives, what's their default technique? If their default technique is to clap on the footballs that they don't have to, and there was no compelling reason for why they might have done that, that might have created a lapse, it's just a normal thing for them, that's something that you know then they're going to have to work on because if they're, that's their default method, it's a suboptimal method. Um, and, you know, this is something that, you know, it's not as common to see that, um, but sometimes there's players who are such good athletes and so good at, as playmakers at the college level, even with this technique, that they succeed despite the lapses. And when they get to the NFL, they just then they start to have a problem because few have perennial success in the league without addressing this issue. And they can. I mean, with daily work focused on um, the details I mentioned above and incorporating that practice into scrimmages and games, a player can incrementally improve his performance if there aren't any underlying tracking issues due to their vision and focus. Now, there are exceptions that define the rule, and I'm going to show you a video at my YouTube channel, Matt Walman's RSP Film Room, that shows Nelson Aglor, the uh, Patriots receiver, who's known for his lapses as a pass catcher. It's one of the reasons why he probably didn't stay in town at Phila in Philadelphia early in his career where he was drafted. Um, but he's produced well enough to earn contributor and starter opportunities in the NFL since then in um, Oakland and Las Vegas, um, as well as in New England. And so we're going to show you a good example of him making a catch over a Steelers defender um, in week two where he had bad process but a good result. But you'll, what you'll want to notice when you look at this, either at, you know, at my site, um, I have it on my site as well, um, or on my film room at YouTube, you'll see that Aguilar has to work to win this target after initially clapping on the ball. So just remember, if an NFL prospect's default catch process involves clapping, understand that the margin of athletic dominance narrows significantly in the league and the, and the baseline level of a defender's technical and conceptual soundness increases dramatically. And these details magnify in value um, in terms of being able to catch the ball and become vital for lasting success. Thanks for listening. You can find more of these RSP NFL scouting glossary videos and podcasts either at you know, Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room, my site, www.mattwaldmanrsp.com, or this podcast. You subscribe to this podcast at all the usual suspects where you subscribe and download podcasts. Have a good week.